It is the end of the week on this gorgeous Friday where we will be giving you another thriller of a play-in game tonight. Two of them, actually. Atlanta and Cleveland from Cleveland, Ohio. The winner will go on to face the Miami Heat. And the Los Angeles Clippers and the New Orleans Pelicans, that winner will face the Phoenix Suns. Bad news for the Los Angeles Clippers as Paul George is in health and safety protocol. He will miss tonight. That could be the writing on the wall for the Clippers. We are one day away from an amazing postseason. I've been right so far on the play-ins despite the Clippers. I had them beating the Wolves. Um, Brooklyn Nets, we're three days away. Like I said, I you guys heard me do these pods talking about Boston and Milwaukee's confidence, saying how Brooklyn shouldn't be that feared. Well, I know everyone's going to use that against me and be like, oh, well, when they beat the Celtics, like, he'll be the last one laughing. Okay, like, <laughs> that is the funny thing about it. Anything could happen. You know, I stand by those ward, wards, words that they're not to be that feared. They have been, they did turn it up in the last week and a half of the season to get them to the seventh seed and get the get themselves in this position. But I don't believe that they're to be that feared, obviously. As a lot of other people has when uh Brooklyn defeated Cleveland, first of all, Boston said, you know, no offense to the Cavs. I think it was Daniel Tice who said it, who we'll talk about shortly. But he said, No offense to the Cavs, we were expecting Brooklyn, of course. So it's just, as soon as the Nets got their thriller of a win, um, the odds to the series, the Nets uh, started out as the favorite, and then more people started taking Boston, so Boston, rightfully so, is the favorite right now. Of course, best team in the NBA the last three months on both sides, the way the role players are playing, the Jays, you guys hear me talk about it all the time, the two bigs, Al and Daniel, the way they've held it down without Rob. Uh, Kirk Goldsberry, his last 15 games, came out with the landscape again on this Friday morning. Boston was still ones across the board, defense, offense, net rating. So rightfully so, they are the favorite. But I am expecting, of course I'm expecting a heartbreak. I've been here before. So I, I think either could happen. I think it'll go six or seven games either way. But like I said, rightfully so, Boston is the favorite to start out. But this is going to be an NBA Finals-like series, like Kendrick Perkins and the rest have been saying. This is really going to be a thriller. Kyrie Irving in Boston. Um, Jason Tatum said that he, when he talks to him, he says he regrets how some things went, uh, the way he handled some things, of course, maybe the things he promised the fans. Obviously, the way he was a leader on the way out. But, um, so, after Brooklyn... Took down the Cleveland Cavaliers. Bruce Brown with his high energy. Um, you know, gets some comments. He said, talking about the Celtics, he's like, you know, they don't have Williams, so we can attack Horford and Tyson. The brilliant ball genius that Kevin Durant is. He was like, what did he say? And he laughed, and he was like, nah. I mean, those guys can do the same exact thing. Like, we respect our opponent respect to KD. He knows that, like I've been saying, those two guys are like 60-50% of Rob, and they can do essentially the same, you know, they could provide the same things he does. 
the versatility on defense. I don't need to go through this. You guys have heard me explain it a million times. The block shots, the way you can sp- they both can switch one through five just like him. Um, but yeah, so speaking of Rob Williams, he is also um, rumored to return. Woj says that it's a very real chance. I, um, I've been saying that, I, I think I might have said it last pod, that every injury, the, yeah, I did. Every injury the Celtics have had this year, they've been truthful about, and they've been really positive since Rob's surgery, saying he looks really good. It could be the three to four week shorter window. They have a lot of space and breaks between games, like three days this series, so that's why he has a real chance to return game five. That could really give Boston a huge boost, especially if it is a pull-your-hair-out type series, which is a funny joke because (laughs) everybody knows what my hair looks like. But um, I believe if we were to come away with it that this might be the most emotional and happiest I've been after a first-round series. Everyone hears me compare thrillers to the Toronto series in the bubble because it was so fun and so stressful. Obviously, everybody knows that I uh, am big on the Raptors and the way they play, and obviously the championship experience, their coach. We'll talk about them in a few minutes as well, but I always compare the Celtics' tough series to that one. So this, I'll, of course, be very emotional if we come out here. So, um, yeah, so Boston will continue to run the same five, the Jays, Horford, Marcus Smart, Daniel Tice. Also, someone who is on the brink of being rumored to return is Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't know why. As, like, <laughs> reports... I mean, the Nets clearly... I mean, like I said, they've been they've turned it around the past week and a half, but they could use a boost from him. As we all know, he's a perfect fit. His Draymond type of game. They could use his help on defense. As they have been hotter that end, but they can easily give up 115 to 120 plus points, Laker-esque. Um, so Brian Winhurst was reporting it, and he was like, I don't even know why I am. He hasn't even practiced one-on-one yet, uh, or five-on-fives, but I'm being told to report that he's targeting games, you know, four through six or four through seven to return. So Ben Simmons hasn't played in a year, or going towards a year, last June, so... The thing is, is he will add some value. I mean, there are people that think he could be a distraction and mess up chemistry with the positive things the Nets have done right as of recent. Um, on either end, but it's just... So we know how his free throw percentage was in Philadelphia um, last June. Sh- shooting 34%, a historic worse. And obviously you see the mental health that headlines it, uh, the issues having to do with that percentage. Um, we know how he defends. Obviously he's one of the best defenders in the league. He can switch on anyone. So it's just in a pressure, you know, destination like Boston, they're going to give him, you know, they're going to, they're going to heckle him a bit when he gets to the line, they'll boom, they'll give it to him. So, it's that's the biggest question if he was to come back 
And if they were to just insert him in after missing a year with his mental health issues, his herniated disc, can he perform on a high stake at the line uh, when the pressure's on like that in a building like this? If, if I was to pick Boston to win this series, I've been saying, we know how the Celtics are at home court. I think I said this on the last pod. We've seen games where just the home crowd has taken the opponent out of it, no matter who it is. So I think it will affect Ben Simmons, but the biggest thing that he could help with if he was to return is obviously putting pressure on a Jason Tatum. Um, Tatum destroys the Nets basically every time he sees them, even last season when we got spanked with that bad lineup. Obviously, it wasn't the Celtics here. Tatum still dropped a 50-point game, dropped a 40-year Really just destroys Brooklyn every time he plays them, win or lose. Uh, we saw it March 6th, 54, and we got the win. And the thriller of a ball game, both teams at full health, without Ben Simmons, of course. But um, if he was to be inserted into the series, you know, with him having that time off, he probably won't. And obviously, with how improved Tatum's been since he's seen Ben Simmons last, he probably won't, you know be perfect and give him that much pressure, but he can put a little pressure on Tatum to what they already had. And since they didn't have an answer as it was like, you can't just have Bruce Brown or Kessler and Kessler Edwards. (laughs) I'm sorry. On him the entire game. Obviously Ben Simmons is the man you want for that task, but I think it can be very difficult for him, especially when he probably won't even playing a lot of stints, probably like 20 minutes. Um, you know, not even like fully insert and just easing his way into the rotation slowly and slowly. So we'll see what happens with Boston and Brooklyn and obviously Robert Williams and Ben Simmons returning. Uh, Boston's very motivated after those first round comments. Uh, I saw that E-May was talking about it in practice already. Uh, they asked Daniel Tice about it. He laughed. Looked like he wanted to say something about it, but he didn't. He was like, he's going to say what he's going to say, but we got to prove him wrong. Same with Jalen Brown. He talked about it. Uh, the Celtics seem ready. Like I said, they, they wanted this. They wanted this. They they sent the message Sunday night. They're like, we're contenders. We believe we could beat anyone with the way we're playing. We're not afraid of anybody. We're not running from anybody. Bring on anyone. And they really sent the message they're at the doorstep. Like Perk tweeted, they're at the doorstep. They want the smoke. And now here it is. And we're two days away. 48 hours. Sunday, 3.30. Um, and I'm more than excited. I, like I said, Monday or whatever I was on last. It's the only thing that's been on my mind all week. The top thing. So, um, it's really going to be amazing. And I... It's going to be a hell of a series. could go either way. Scary, exciting. I'm just ready to hear that TD Garden crowd on Sunday, man. That's all. But this is going to for sure be a series to to, to remember. Damn, Rob with the stuttering. To remember. <laughs> and just wait for Sunday. It's It's going to be something else. It really is. Especially with Kyrie Irving. Um, with how Boston fans hate the Nets as it is. But, you know, this is, they, they wanted it, and now here it is. It's time to prove it.
So, another thing that happened in the beginning of the week, the Lakers, of course, as I can't seem to get away from them. Um, a report came out that Frank Vogel got fired during their game with the Denver Nuggets. And he was asked uh, post-game, the reporter had asked him that Woj, or brought it up to him that Woj tweeted it, and they asked Frank if he had heard anything from the Lakers front office. He said, I hadn't heard shit, but I'm going to celebrate with these guys and let them enjoy their win. I felt bad for Frank because, like, he was put on the spot, and obviously he was upset. I mean, I'm sure he saw it coming, of course. He knew it was coming soon, but he didn't even know, and to be asked that from the media. But first things first, that just shows that where the Lakers organization stands and with the turmoil in it. It's like, that that's poor. From Rob Palenka, from the Bus family, like, you have to let him know, and you can't just put him on the spot like that. And the fact that he he hadn't even known yet, and it was, you know, during the last game of the season. And it really just goes to show where they stand as an organization. I saw Draymond was talking on his podcast about, you know, when are we going to hold the media accountable? Um, the media has to show some accountability with that one. And, and yeah, you could agree with them. Like, Woj for that report. Um, maybe it wasn't even, like, supposed to be out yet. Draymond's right. There has to be, and um, obviously it's tough to criticize them. Especially with how amazing of a job Woj does each and every day, as everyone knows. But obviously you need to have some better accountability with that one, between him and Shams. But as everyone saw, Russell Westbrook didn't even hold back. He went through his exit interview. Said he didn't understand uh, the problem Frank Vogel had with him. Um, All the team was doing all season was telling him what to do, and they didn't let him be himself. So instead of... You know, I talked about how those BS comments that were like, oh, yeah, well, be ready. (laughs) When Westbrook was like, that's the plan. Uh, You know, in his interview when they were eliminated, that they were going to, you know, run things back and make it better. Instead of just keeping it on a positive note, he was like, no, I'll just trash everybody. I'll trash Fogel. I'll uh, talk about the organization and what they didn't let me do, even if it is my hometown. And... You know, I could have something to prove in the final final year of my deal. But he was like, nah, I'll choose violence. So, obviously, you look at both sides and, like, Westbrook could have had a much better season. He was bad in the paint shooting, bad all around. And, like I said, he had those games that showed who he was at times. But, like, inefficient, um, a liability, benched at the end of games a lot. Really just the the laughing stock of the season, if you really think about it. And, like, I, I've said it on previous pods how that might have been the most biggest disappointment in history. And when, especially when they were supposed to looked at, supposed to be looked at like a super team. Um, That's embarrassing when they were, like, a title favorite. And I called them that myself coming into the season. So, you know, like I said, it's going to be a lot of noise in their organization this up-and-coming summer. I watched even Rob Palenka's interview talking about it. You know, Dave McMenamin asked them, like, why do you feel this is the first domino that needs to fall? And 
talked about him. Vogel has a defensive coach and the Lakers' defense. And I see Palenka's point of view, like, yeah, like, maybe he did win us a title. And, like, it might be a bit of a shock that it's the first person to go. But, like, they they obviously need a fresh start along with the roster with multiple roster changes. And, you know, I talked about the Charlotte rumor now for Westbrook, the Indiana Pacers have popped up. I'm seeing people say like, oh, like what if they got Hayward? (laughs) What if they got Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre? Like, can you, is that lineup really going to happen? Like, yeah, if you're a Laker fan, you would obviously kill for that dynamic of a lineup compared to the old muscles that they had all of, 2021-2022, but it seems very unrealistic to me. I mean, Charlotte, you could say the same for them with how their season just ended. They're not ready. Uh, Bridges has to be paid. Washington has to be paid. The Hayward contract looks like a mistake. Uh, The backcourt is the best thing going for you, along with LaMelo Ball, who is saying he doesn't want to wear number two anymore. He's only number one. I feel bad for everyone who's bought his jersey already. But, you know, he's only a kid. Everyone's laughing at these headlines, like, from Jay Williams and other people yesterday that were like, is his, num- is his days in Charlotte numbered? <laughs> like, dude, he's 19 or 20. He's literally a baby. Just because he's showtime, that means he belongs in the purple and gold. Like, yeah, it's cool. But, like, let him grow. Let his team grow. Let... Jordan figure things out like when are you gonna see that where someone his age like just takes his team to the to the whole other level at year two like it takes time but okay so to close this out I uh I did my all NBA teams I did my round one predictions I uh all right pretty straight up simple I'm just gonna go through the one through three, uh, all three teams. Um, I did my awards Monday. You could talk, you know, it's amazing how the all this noise is flying about who deserves what. I've said that a couple pods ago. It's just what a race this has been. Um, you know, we could talk about the most memorable ones like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Russell Westbrook. James Harden and Steph Curry, but, you know, it's just the two bigs here, and people have heard me say, it's like, I, you could pick either of them, you really can, like, Embiid deserves it, you can't say he doesn't, Jokic deserves it, who's my MVP that I picked? Jokic, just because of his fundamentals, how he makes the game look so easy, and how he has the Nuggets all together just with his playmaking, first and foremost. Like, you take, and we're going to see it um, tomorrow with Luka Doncic at 1 o'clock. You take him away from Dallas. You take Jokic away from the Nuggets. Like, it's amazing how out of whack they would look with their ball handlers just being gone. You could say the same thing about the Sixers and Embiid. And like I said, there's really no wrong answer between him and Jokic, who's going to win it. I'm expecting either or even though most of the writers are picking Jokic. But especially with how Embiid started the year, and you could argue this is like a few-month uh, recency-biased award, but Embiid was looking like the most dominant player in the league. 
he has the most 40-point games in the league today. You could still argue that he has been the most besides Jokic. And he's been one in ballots a lot. A lot of people are putting Giannis too. But that's just what it is. I um, Anybody could agree. It's a historic race between the three, if you want to include Giannis. But it's going to come down to those two big men, I'd imagine, with Jokic likely to win his second consecutive one. But I don't blame you know, anybody in the basketball world players, media, who thinks that Embiid does deserve it because you can, you know, blindfold me and not, I'd pick either one. Like, there's no wrong answer, like I just said. And I gave a lot of credit to the guys who were at the cleanup and third and uh, fifth and sixth spot. Like I said, like, you could put in Doncic, Booker, uh, Tatum's made a high race towards it. But, you know, this just goes to show how great the talent, especially at this young age, really is in today's league. It's special. It's dynamic. Uh, there's no holes anywhere, especially those two bigs. Like, there's nothing that they cannot do. And, you know, a lot's going to be at stake when they begin their playoff series tomorrow, which I'm about to predict after I do the All-NBA teams. But because... Okay, so one through three. So... At the guard spots, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum at the forward, Giannis Antetokounmpo at the other forward, and Nikola Jokic is the first team All-NBA center just because he is the MVP favorite right now, and he is likely to win. Again, I'm not hating Joel Embiid. He could be on the first team. He deserves to win it. I don't blame anybody who thinks that either or could win the award, but... Nikola Jokic has had a stamp on this type of play for about two years now. And, yeah, his mindset is unlike any other. He's a personality and character unlike any other. And he's just become everyone's favorite player. And you could really, at this point, argue that about the two. Especially with how fun and, you know, characteristic with his attitude that Bede's been on the court and off the court for a while now. But, second team... Durant, LeBron, Embiid, John Morant, Steph Curry, third team. Um, also the positioning, too. Like, it's only a certain amount of forwards, guards, and obviously you can only have one center. Otherwise, Embiid would have been on my first team. But I also wanted to put DeMar DeRozan on the second team, but the positions also held that up as well. Um... So yeah, Curry's my last guard on the second team. The third team, I have DeMar, Pascal Siakam, who's really been unbelievable lately along with this team. Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Paul, and Trey Young. So here we go, round one. And at some point before the ball tips tomorrow, me and Rich are going to do the same thing. But, okay, Western Conference. I have the Pelicans winning tonight with Paul George out. Again, so sad. Uh, you guys have heard me say they've been such a sleeper of mine since the trade deadline, and I expect them to come back or come out really strong come October. They're going to have a great training camp. Steve Ballmer is going to be excited. They're going to be a favorite next year to win the title, probably outside the top five, probably around there. It's, I mean, it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they still haven't graced the surface of their true potential, especially what we saw 
um, in the summer of the pandemic as I think I wrote a story, you know, not to keep going on them, but I wrote a story that, that, that might've been the worst collapse ever. Um, you could argue this Laker team, but you had a three, one lead and you were the favorites. You were supposed to make the finals basically, or at least give the Lakers a run for their money. And they lose to Denver unexpectedly. So, um, Pelican Suns, I got the Suns in five. Jazz and Mavs. This is going to be tough because, yeah, Dallas is red hot, but Luka, with his status uncertain, he's going to miss game one. I would originally have put Mavs in six, but I'll go Mavs in seven. The Nuggets Warriors. You know, I've been talking a lot about um, Curry and his status, how it's going to be up in the air, how they are limited on time of gelling and making things work. Obviously, you have Jordan Poole. Um, Clay's whole situation, even though he's up this play with Steph out, he's scoring almost 20 points a game now. Colin Cowherd's thinking they should trade him for Anthony Davis. <laughs> and um, thinking the Lakers should get Wiseman uh, as well. But it's like... I don't think there's really much to panic with the Warriors, how Draymond's kind of getting his legs under him now. Poole's just another weapon to add to the Splash Brothers. Like I said, Clay's up this play. If Steph can come back and nothing could look any different and say he looks like he hasn't skipped the beat, they could be fine. But I'll give the likely and reigning MVP credit to make it a series. So I'll say Nuggets and Warriors, Warriors and Six. The Wolves and Grizzlies. I saw someone at the Athletics said this, <clears throat> and I agree. The Wolves can give them a run for their money. You can talk about Towns' defense, how they're lazy on defense besides Beverly as it is. But the di- the dynamic Ann Edwards, D'Lo's play of late, Pat Bev being the talk of the town. You know, everybody's saying it's bad for the game, what he's doing. He's just passionate, man. Like, that's all it is. That's literally all it is. He gives you that Kevin Garnett type of mentality. He wants the fans to get into it. He's been through a lot in his career, and he's made a lot of postseasons. It's a little ridiculous that he's talked about a lot more than, like, other stars. But, like, I mean, he's a likable guy that, at the end of the day, you're watching him, and he'll put a smile on your face. That's <laughs> that's all it is. And, you know, he's getting these Bud Light ads now. And, um... You know, a lot of people don't like them, but it's just the Timberwolves have been a great destination for him. Like, and you could argue the teams he's been making the playoffs with has had a lot of people like this Timberwolves team with these young stars, the Clippers, um, the Rockets, I believe. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. But yeah, um... He's just a funny personality. That's all it is. And anyways, back to the predictions. Grizzlies in seven. I'll go. I think they could actually, Wolves could actually make it really interesting. So to the Eastern Conference, I'm predicting Atlanta to win in Cleveland tonight. So I'll pick the Heat in six over the Hawks. Philly and Toronto is going to be a thriller. Now, Philly should definitely win, as many know. They were one of the title favorites since the trade deadline. Um... Embiid might win MVP. James Harden, obviously, this is your time to fulfill your destiny, which you've been talked about, that you can't do it, that he hasn't shown up on the biggest of moments in 
game sevens. But they should definitely win this series with their talent. Their home court, um, that duo on offense, you get Tyrese Maxey going, uh, Tobias Harris can get some good games early in the postseason. Um, yeah, they're, they don't have much of a bench, but like if their offense can hold it down, they should really not have a problem, with, or they should really win this series. I'm expecting it to be great, no matter what. But Toronto did win three out of four games against them this year. They seem to have, you know, a, a knack for exploit, really exploiting Harden and Embiid. Harden doesn't shoot that great against them. Jalen Rose called his recent shooting numbers concert tour dates. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, they should really... It should be the Sixers winning this. It really should. But with the way Toronto has been lately, winning 14 out of 20, red-hot defense, like I said, championship pedigree, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam has been one of the hottest players in the league. They're tremendous on defense. They could switch everything even without their size. Uh, Nick Nose... Nick Nose. <laughs> Nick Nurse is my favorite coach in the NBA. Like I said, everyone hears me praise him all the time with... Yeah, they had Kawhi Leonard in their championship run, but the next year without him in the bubble season, they had a great record. I think it was 17-5 and without him, something like that, and they're proving it now. I thought that they could be a team that could surprise like this. Um, so Philly should be the favorite, but as of right now, I have Toronto in seven until they prove me wrong, Harder proves me wrong through the first few games. And... You know, he comes out and in really crunch time in the clutch and executes for Philadelphia at the end of games, especially in Toronto. That hurts without Matisse Thibault. You're not going to miss his offense, but your defense obviously has downgraded since he lost or have been without Ben Simmons this year, of course. So you're going to need someone to cover Siakam, and that's a loss on the road. So this series will be a thriller regardless. At the moment, I do have Toronto in seven. Chicago and Milwaukee. I have the Bucks in five, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, with the way they've been playing, obviously the Bulls without Lonzo and their pitiful defense, the way they play against contenders, it's just I don't think Milwaukee is clearly the favorite in the East. Um, I think besides them, whoever wins Boston and Brooklyn, if uh, Miami's not to be taken lightly, if Philly can prevail past Toronto, obviously, of course, they could be a favorite in the Eastern Conference. But they still have to just prove it with how they've been as of late. That's my thing with them. And Toronto's just been a great ball club. So that's going to be a thriller. The Bucks in five, like I just said, um, yeah, they really shouldn't have a problem. But uh, like I said, the two series in the East that I believe have the biggest chance of being upsets are Philly and Toronto and Boston and Brooklyn, of course. So my final prediction for Boston, as of course I saved it last, I will go with the Celtics in seven with the home court. Uh, just game one and setting the tone Sunday afternoon, like I said, in 48 hours is going to be huge. Um like I said, they got a lot of days off in between. That helps Rob's scheduling. It'll be, I think game five, it'll be like a month since the surgery or four weeks, something like that. Forget what it said. It might have been game four. But it's one of those four or five. Um, it's just, 
yeah, so game two is Wednesday. And it's just with the rest, it's we really need to set the tone tomorrow. So I will go with the Celtics in seven. Thank you guys very much for this episode. I'll be back this weekend, if not Monday. Me and Rich are going to do our projections for the first round postseason. We'll share our all-NBA teams, and we will also give our awards. Thank you very much, and enjoy great basketball again tonight, and killer game ones tomorrow.